Hello and welcome to Restoring the Soul, a podcast dedicated to helping you close the gap from what you're meant to be and what keeps you from being all that. I'm your producer, Brian Beatty, sitting alongside your host, Michael John Cusick. Hey, Brian. Hello, my friend. It is always good to be talking with you. And, Look, uh, looking good today. Thank you. I shaved. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> um, it is, uh, it's really good to be unpacking the book um, and uh, just to, to be able to offer men some sense of understanding. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And how do I get out of it? What's the path forward? Yeah, and the book you're referring to, obviously, is uh, Surfing for God, uh, written uh, a few years ago and uh, getting ready to celebrate your 10th anniversary of the book. But what has life been like for you since its release? Maybe uh, relationally, maybe what you've heard, your practice uh, here in Denver. Unpack that for me a little bit. It's been amazing. Um, I have had a chance to write a number of other things and a number of resources. Uh, this was my first major book, and life has incredibly changed since then. Um, I've had a chance to travel all around the world and to teach and to speak and develop resources. Uh, we are currently releasing the workbook. But on a personal level, um, it's it's really quite ironic. You know, I I never felt like I was the sexual addiction guru or the pornography freedom guru. It's not not anything that you've ever like sought out to be. I've never right? sought that out. And the cool thing is I've not become that, although there are people that specialize in that and there's a place for it, is I've always been most passionate about trying to help people connect the broken reality of their life just like we say at the top of the podcast, to the reality of God's heart, to the reality of the good news. Because what my story was like before the freedom that I discovered was I was a very devoted, disciplined Christian, memorizing scripture, praying, Bible studies, evangelism, and there was a sense of, God, why am I doing what I'm doing? And if you came to bring life to the full, and if you set your son's free and we're free indeed, then why can't I find that freedom? There's something that I must be doing wrong or something wrong with you and the gospel itself. Um, and I, and I discovered the path and I discovered how to bring those two realities together. So, you know, um, I've, I've really pressed into spiritual formation and spiritual direction. And what we do here at Restoring the Soul, where we do intensive counseling, is this model that I've put together called integrated clinical soul care. So we bring the best of psychology and science about change and, and healing the brain with um, classic spiritual direction and helping people to form Christ on the inside. And we bring the two of those together. Um, it's also just been a, a tremendous uh, journey personally, because nine years after I uh, dismantled my life and everything fell apart and God brought my marriage back together, I was diagnosed with uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was almost as if once my addictions got out of the way, uh, then what was buried deep beneath related to childhood abuse could come up. So I spent, oh gosh, up until... Uh, 2013 or 14 from 2003 forward, almost 10 years, um, really digging through deep trauma and at times struggling to function. And so the last, oh, six, seven, eight years has really been 
moving into a life where there's more joy and integration and wholeness and just living out of my being and my true self. And so I say all that and glad that you asked the question because it's not an overnight journey, whether it's us trying to become sober, whether it's moving deeper into the path of freedom from problem behaviors and addictions into the life that we're called to. And there are folks that are listening right now who are probably going, either I myself or my loved one, this is as good as it gets, that um, you know, I've achieved the level of freedom or wholeness that I'm going to have in this lifetime. And all I can really expect is just kind of ongoing striving, trying not to engage in the hurtful, destructive things, my compulsions and my addictions, or um, I'm just going to have to give up and be broken. And there really is another way to live. Uh, and so I'm speaking out of my professional training and experience, but I'm also speaking out of personal experience. And I always want to remind people that, that um, on this podcast and at our ministry, Restoring the Soul, we're all wounded healers, and we think and counsel and operate and live out of that place of having uh, experienced restoration ourselves. Mm. And uh, for you listening, um, we're a podcast of the same name as as your counseling practice ministry here outside of Denver. You can visit RestoringTheSoul.com and find out uh, even more. So let's get back to um, Surfing for God. We're now in uh, Episode 3, unpacking many episodes of the book, and we're going to look at Deep uh, Desires uh, today. Uh, deep Desire and Thirst as it relates to sexual struggle. Uh, I was personally intrigued by a quote in your book, Our sinful behaviors are rooted in a legitimate God-given appetite. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, strangely, that was Thomas Aquinas, the great philosopher and theologian of the uh, 1300s, and he said that every sinful behavior is rooted in a legitimate God-given appetite. And that's so important to start out with as we talk about deep desires and thirst. Because in my own story, and to a man, everybody that I've talked with for whom lust, compulsive masturbation, pornography, other kinds of sexual sin and acting out, they have said, my desire is the problem. If I could just turn my desires down, if I could just somehow suppress my desires or rein in my desires, then I would be okay. And I, I wouldn't be doing the things that I don't want to do, like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. So when I when I came across this quote from Aquinas, wow, okay, here's the sinful behavior of looking at pornography. And what's that about? I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, that quote tells us, and I believe Scripture teaches this deeply, that beneath the tip of the iceberg, if you will, there is a desire that is good. There's a desire for connection, for intimacy, to be known, to know, to be wanted, uh, a desire for comfort, a desire to feel powerful and adequate, uh, a desire to be soothed. We could go on and on, but um, that it's so important. And I, I just want to present a question. We haven't done this in the previous episodes. But the question I would present to one of our listeners is, fill in the blank with your struggle. 
my struggle is blank. It might be prostitutes. It might be going to strip clubs. It might be compulsive masturbation. It might be some kind of cybersexual behavior or pornography or fantasy. My struggle is blank. And the God-given legitimate desire beneath my struggle is blank. Now, here's my, my promise to you. If you can answer that question that the God-given legitimate desire beneath my struggle is blank, if you can answer that, you're halfway home to finding freedom from your struggle. And whether your issue is people-pleasing or eating or whatever the issue might be, shopping, gambling, um, going online to video game sites, there is this sense where you're searching for something good. And that's what we're going to unpack today in this episode from the chapter in Surfing for God called Insatiable Thirst. Okay, great. So in this particular chapter, you talk about seven core desires uh, of a man. So why is it important for a man to understand those particular desires? Great question. So let's back up to uh, Jesus and one of his invitations for us to come and follow him. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, and the couple verses beyond, it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice proclaimed, if you are thirsty, come to me and streams of living water will flow from within you. There's a couple of things there. If I had more time, I would, I would unpack the context of that. But uh, briefly, it was the Feast of Tabernacles on which he stood up. And that was the celebration where Jews, uh, back during the Exodus, they would build these tents or these little protective tabernacles out in the desert. And so there is a Jewish feast where they remember that, the Feast of Sukkoth. And so the irony is you're in the desert where you would die without provision, and they're celebrating God's faithfulness there. And on the last day of the feast, when everyone is full and fat and happy, Jesus stands up and he he makes this statement that has a contingency on it. And he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And there's an implication there. It's as if he's saying, some of you are not thirsty, and you won't come to me. Some of you are thirsty and you won't come to me. And there's some of you who are thirsty and who are really ready to come to me to experience this source of water that he called living water that by implication would come into you and fill you and then flow out of you, this inflow and this outflow. And I used to read that verse and say, God, I'm I'm, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. See, I was acutely aware of my thirst and yet I didn't know what it meant to come to him with my thirst, because all I did was say, so I'm so thirsty and stop my sinful behavior, stop my sinful behavior. When I believe that his invitation to come is let me show you what that desire is, why it is that you have either pushed it down and denied it, or why you've somehow tried to demand that you have that desire met. And as you come to me, let me heal that part of your heart that has been wounded. And so as we are aware that Jesus' invitation is, if anyone is thirsty, come to me, 
we need to begin by saying, am I thirsty? Am I aware that there's deeper desires in my heart that are driving me toward lust, toward pornography, and those desires are not inherently wrong or bad? We can ask God to shine a light on those desires, to help us become aware of those desires. Oftentimes, uh, Brian, I'll ask a man, what, what do you long for? What are you thirsty for? What do you deeply desire? And with no disrespect for any of them, because I was one of these guys at some point, they'd look at me like, what are you talking about? I want to go on a vacation with my wife and kids, or I'd like a promotion. But other than that, I'm really kind of good. And that's Jesus' whole point, not just in John 7, but again and again, where Jesus comes to us trying to wake us up trying to uh, bring to the surface what has been buried. And our stories and our families of origin and the trauma and the wounds that we experience and the world itself, especially that we're living in today during a, a pandemic when it just feels like the world is, is upside down, the world has a way of beating up our heart so that we either have to indulge and demand that our desires are fulfilled or where we somehow have to dial them down. Uh, before I transition, I just want to say one other scripture, and there's there's 50 scriptures that I could say from memory about thirst and desire, but uh, many listeners might have a, a parent or a grandparent that has a little plaque that has Psalm 37.4 on it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? People are going, give you the desires of your heart. And most folks I know, they focus on the first part of that. I need to delight myself in the Lord and go to church and go to Bible study and memorize scripture and pray and do all these things to delight in the Lord. But I'll sometimes stop and ask people, so what are the desires of your heart? Well, I really haven't thought much about that. The invitation in scripture from Genesis to Revelation is to embrace our desires because those desires, those longings are the very energy and passion and um, desire that literally draws us to God. In Psalm 38, I think it's verse 9, King David, the man after God's own heart, has the statement, all my longings lie open before you, O God. My sighing is not hidden from you. And so there's a sense of to get in touch with our desires is also in many ways to get in touch with uh, a very fundamental sense of pain, because longings are, by definition, and thirst by definition, are a desire that's not met. Hmm. Why don't we put a, a pin in it, as it were, and uh, let's take a quick break, just about 60 seconds, and then, Michael, when we come back, uh, hit us up with these seven core desires. You're listening to Restoring the Soul with Michael John Cusick. Hey, it's Michael. In my life, I've battled addiction and even blew up my marriage. I experienced childhood abuse and lived for years with PTSD. And in all that, I've experienced incredible restoration and healing in my life and marriage. Now, my story is not your story, but there comes a moment for every one of us where we need something to change. At Restoring the Soul, we help couples heal their marriage. We help individuals restore their life and get their heart back. If you can't wait months or years to get unstuck and out of that rut you're in, our intensive counseling process in Colorado allows you to experience deep change, real breakthrough, in half-day blocks over two weeks. Finally, 
you can heal from your trauma, overcome those compulsive behaviors, or heal what's broken in your marriage so that you can live the life you're meant to live. Visit RestoringTheSoul.com. Welcome back to Restoring the Soul. Michael, let's uh, continue with this uh, episode on deep desires. What are the seven core desires you talk about in your book? Yeah, the seven core desires are probably seven out of uh, 150,000. I was speaking somewhere in uh, the southeast, and I was talking about the seven core desires, and a gentleman who had a seminary degree came up to me, and he said, you know, uh, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but I think there's 13 core desires, because I was flipping through my Bible, and I just chose seven because they're the ones that come to my mind most frequently and as I've talked with people. So truly, there could be an infinite number of these. But the the reason why I came up with the handle of seven core desires is it helps us to name our desires. It helps us to have a category. And so there's four A's and then there's three S's. And I want to walk through these because each of these words, four A's and three S's, has a question attached to it. And it's the question that we as little boys, as young men, we ask this question, and I believe that every human being asks these questions. The first A is a desire or a longing for attention. When we are created with a longing for attention, it's related to this idea that we were created to be seen to be seen by another set of eyes. My friend Kurt Thompson, who has been on this podcast multiple times uh, in his book, The Soul of Shame, has said that every little girl or boy is born into the world looking for someone looking for them. And so the infant, without having a psychological uh, concept of what a parent is, is scanning the horizon for someone to come and feed them, to wrap them up so that they're warm, for someone to tend to them. And then as we grow, it's the same thing. We want to show off how we can walk or how we can crawl or how we can um, play peekaboo, and it lightens up our eyes. And so when we're seen, when someone attends to us, it communicates profound value. It communicates that we matter. So this longing for attention is... Do I matter? Do I have value? The next core longing is affection. And affection is often thought about as um, hugs and uh, holding and sitting on the lap and tousling uh, a person's hair, a little boy or little girl. Affection can be those things. But the core of it really has to do with an inner sense of, if I have an affection for you, something in me lights up. I'll never forget when my kids were little, uh, I would come home from work, and I generally get home from work between 5 and 6 o'clock, and when my son was like 2 and 3 and even 4 years old, he would run to the front door, and the dogs would bark, and um, he'd be there kind of jumping up and down. That's a picture of affection, that something in me is enlivened by being in your presence or anticipating your presence. It's the light in the eye. It's a sense of, I want to be with you. And that can be pre-physical touch. It can just be a soulish kind of being wanted. You know, so often I've talked with men who have said, as they're struggling with pornography, that it's not the body parts or the sexual parts that they're primarily seeking. 
it's the gaze of the woman. It's the gaze of the man. In the instance of um, men who have same-sex attraction, it's that gaze that's saying, my eyes are sparkling. My eyes are filled with light as I'm looking just at you. That's the longing for affection. The third core longing with the A's is affirmation. And I don't think there's any better definition of this than what John Eldridge said in his book, Wild at Heart, that affirmation is someone affirming us with a sense of you have what it takes. I see you, I have come alongside you, and you are adequate. You can move into your world. You can have impact. You can bring who you are to bear in any number of situations. And you may not be trained to fly an F-18 or do brain surgery. That's not what we're talking about. But as you move into your world, you have what it takes. And as we talked about in a previous episode, that one of the insidious things about pornography is that it validates and affirms our manhood without requiring us to be real men. See, that statement of having what it takes has to be time-tested in the real world. So if I say to a child, well, you have what it takes to win the spelling bee, and they're dyslexic, mute, and have never taken a spelling class, then chances are they're not going to win the spelling bee. Um, but if there's an engagement in a process where they're known and you're and they are affirmed, that's a whole different subject. So being affirmed and that longing to be affirmed also implies a sense of being known. The final A in these four longings is the longing for acceptance. This is a sense of I deeply desire, I thirst to belong. I thirst to be embraced. I thirst to participate. Uh, this is a longing for community. Uh, that can be family. It can be a marriage. It can be um, a relationship that is simply an intimate friendship. But it's that sense of belonging. There's nothing more painful than not belonging and not being connected, which is why it's considered cruel and unusual punishment in uh, the United States Constitution to put someone in isolation 24 hours a day. Uh, even for one hour a day, they have to be taken out of there and walk around, uh, you know, a field and see a guard or something like that because it's just too painful. And yet um, many men who struggle with pornography have this deep sense of isolation, not just from others, but an isolation within themselves. Hmm. All right, let's do a quick uh, recap. Desire number one, attention. Number two, affection. Three, affirmation. Four, acceptance. And we've got three left. All begin with the letter S. That is right. Uh, man, you're paying attention. That's that's really good. Taking my notes. Yeah, so the three S's, and you may hear a little bit of overlap, but the first one is significance. That we have a deep, deep desire, longing, thirst in our soul to matter, but the attention longing is just more about, I want to matter, period, for just who I am. The significance is when I show up in the world and when I bring who I am, I make a difference. See, because God is a creator and he's creative and everything he does from spread love and joy in the world and when Jesus died on the cross 
to how he answers prayer today. Everything is generative. It creates. And so as men and women made in his image, we are meant to show up in the world and to create, to bring forth something that is good, to bring forth life. And that's what this significance is about. We have a sense of impact that our life is more than just this fleeting wind that comes and goes, but that we have meaning and significance. And that's a a, a deep desire inside. And why are we talking about this? Because the porn fantasy is that when woman XYZ wants you, and when she's at the mercy of your fantasy or whatever pornographic uh, vignette is played out, it can create this illusion and this counterfeit of significance. Look at the impact that I'm having here, and it's all elusive. The second S, or rather the sixth core longing, is a sense of satisfaction. And that is a sense not just of, I ate this really great meal and I am satisfied, or it was Christmas and I opened my presents and I'm satisfied. There is that aspect of fullness. There is an aspect of contentment, but the idea of satisfaction is an overall sense of well-being that it is well with my soul. And satisfaction has to do with that we've tasted our longings being fulfilled, but we know that we live in this uh, already but not yet, that we're not home, and that, um, that all of the satisfaction of our longings is temporal. And so it's a, it's a place of getting a taste and yet a place of, at the same time, longing for more. So that well-being as well as all of the others, the attention, affection, affirmation, acceptance, significance, and satisfaction can lead to a sense of security. Security is something that um, allows us to be attached to others, attached to our own heart, attached to others, and ultimately attached to God, where we know that despite struggle, pain, suffering, even harm that comes to us, that deep down we can say like the psalmist that my soul finds rest in God alone. And that doesn't mean that life doesn't hurt and that unmet longings and desires are not lonely and painful, but it's the sense that deep down there is a refuge, there is a sanctuary, there is a place inside of me where everything's okay. And until a man can work through all of those longings and desires and how he gets those uh, met in unhealthy ways or how he either denies or demands that those longings be met, until he begins to work through that process, there's generally not going to be an ability to experience a kind of security in his relationship with God. It's an exhaustive, incredible list to think of these seven things, that that's how God has wired us. Is there one of the seven, Michael, that you identify with uh, the most that speaks and stands out uh, to you the most? For me, it's probably affirmation, and I'm not sure where that comes from. Maybe it's a wound, um, but of those seven, which which one of these uh, resonates with you? I would say for sure attention. Uh, one of my nicknames when I was a kid, long story, but when I was nine, my family went into a family drug rehab 
for my brother, who was 15 and 16 at the time. And I got nicknamed by the kids in this program, the attention freak. And so I was always seeking out attention with humor and things like that. But I, I think it was this core longing beneath that for I want to be seen and I want um, to be noticed. I want to be seen that I matter. A, a great uh, story, and I'll just share this because several people have said that they could relate to this. I, I lived on this um, four-lane highway, and our house was set back probably 150 feet from the, the curb. And a lot of traffic, including city buses, would go by. And I remember on certain nights of the week and on weekends, I was the youngest of five, and my siblings were all kind of gone and out of the home before me. I would, in the summertime, take a baseball and a baseball glove, and in the other season, I would take a football and I would run around the front yard always by myself, and I would throw the ball up in the air and then make these incredible diving catches. And as a very young boy, I would do that with this fantasy that someone was going to hit their brakes, get out of the car, and go, oh my gosh, that was unbelievable, and I want you to come and play for my team, or I wish you were my son, or you are an amazing athlete and and just an outstanding young boy, and I, I bet you're going to be an Eagle Scout. You know, all these crazy things like that. And that was the world that I lived in, where I was alone and isolated, and there was no way that I could uh, get that longing met within my family of origin, so I fantasized, doing the very best thing that I could do with a baseball glove and a ball but living in this world where the longing was real, but it was just a fantasy. It was an illusion. Hmm. I'm sure that there are many uh, listening uh, today. Thank you for that uh, story, uh, by the way. And and as I seek to know you better, our listeners are going to get to know you better, kind of, uh, you know, the veritable peeling off of of the onion. And I appreciate your level of uh, vulnerability and uh, transparency. Michael, as we look to wrap up uh, this uh, episode, um, where can folks go uh, for resources that uh, so that this episode doesn't have to stand in isolation, uh, that we hope to take people to the next step, so indeed, so that their souls are restored to what God had intended them to be? What can they do? Yeah, great question, Brian. First of all, I want to make sure that from this episode forward that I do leave people with a question. So I want to revisit the question from earlier. Beneath my sexual struggle with lust, there is a legitimate God-given desire, and those God-given desires are fill-in-the-blank. And I would say that if you begin to answer that question, that's going to get you halfway there to getting some freedom and beginning to um, experience a healing of your heart. I would say Another great step would be to get the book, Surfing for God, and you can go to surfingforgod.com to find out more about the book, download a free chapter. Also, Amazon and every other bookseller has paper, digital, and audio versions of the book. And then uh, the restoringthesoul.com website also has resources, including our intensive counseling programs, as well as uh, two or three times a year, we do a 66-hour intensive weekend for men where we walk men experientially through the major themes in Surfing for God, and it's a really, really huge weekend for breakthroughs for men. So thank you for listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. 
We want you to know that Restoring the Soul is so much more than a podcast. What we're all about is helping couples and individuals get unstuck. You know how some people go to counseling or marriage therapy for months or even years and never really get anywhere? Our intensive programs help clients get unstuck in as little as two weeks. To learn more, visit RestoringTheSoul.com. That's RestoringTheSoul.com. Thank you.